Well, we are back, folks. Stage 16 is back. It's been a while, a couple months almost, but uh, hopefully this is going to be a good episode. I got Sean Roberts back on with me, and we are going to talk all things Top Gun Maverick. Now, granted, it's been a little while. Uh, We wanted to do this earlier. Six weeks ago. Yeah, six weeks ago, but, you know, it takes the time it takes to uh, take the takes. Uh, well, now everybody's had time to process it, you know. Yeah, you know, I've just, seen it twice. Yeah. How many times have you seen it? I've seen it twice, and I'm really hoping that it goes, which I read last week in Deadline, that in, in a week or two, they're going to put it back into premium theaters, being either IMAX or Dolby Cinema in a lot of markets, because there's nothing else really worth seeing in those theaters, and Top Gun is still making money. So if that's the case, I'm going to go see it one more time in uh, either IMAX or Dolby Cinema, hopefully IMAX. Yeah, I think I I would go again for IMAX. I saw it once uh, IMAX, and then I almost went and saw 4DX, which I've never done ever. That doesn't interest um, me at all. That feels like it'd be like a ride at Disney. I'm going to yeah. want to watch the film. I don't need distractions. Yeah, so, that's like a, to me, that's like what 3D was, a gimmick. I don't like it. Yeah, so um, that's cool. I didn't know it was coming back to IMAX, but that's good. Um, so, I mean, let's, let's dive in. Uh, why don't you start us off, you know, the first time you saw it, so I saw it three nights, actually two nights before its general opening. The general opening was on a Thursday night, and there was an advanced screening that Tuesday night, which was called a fan event, which was really an excuse to charge the hardcore fans more money to go see it because we paid a premium. It was like $25 to take it. And I think they gave you a free poster, which was a mini poster, that not even like a full-size one. But we got to see the film two days early. It was an absolutely packed theater. The audience was really, really excited. And I'm, I I just, I don't even know where to begin. Um, it was overwhelming when it's starting because you're going, God, okay, it's finally here. 36 years later and three years of delays and, you know, just waiting to see this. And by the end of the film, it I was literally bawling. I was emotional. I was like, it, I was amped up. I mean, I literally, we'll talk, we'll go through multiple stages of this conversation with this film, but I will say that the last 30 minutes of that film, when they're on that mission, I'm pretty sure I kind of blacked out from the adrenaline the first time I saw the movie because it was so <laughs> exciting that I, this, when I left the theater, I remembered bits and pieces of it, but I was like, wait a minute, did, you know, I just, I, it, it was overwhelming, the adrenaline, what it did to me. And yeah, when it was over, I literally walked out of it and said, that's the best film I've ever seen in my entire 43 years of life. And, <laughs> and I stand by that. That sounds like that could sound like hyperbolic and, you know, like, oh, come on, give me a break. Better than what? Yeah. For me, it's the best film I've ever seen in my life. I've that, never that seen movie is better than Die Hard, Back to the Future. Yeah. For me, I have to say I've I, you know, yeah, I have to say it is. Um. But this is coming from somebody who Top Gun, the original Top Gun, has always been my favorite film of all time. And look, I mean, obviously, Back to the Future, Die Hard, Predator. I mean, there's so many good films. Beverly Hills Cop and Cop 2 that I would say are favorites of mine. I mean, if you said, what are your top 10 favorites? I mean, I could easily fill that. But Top Gun has always held a special place in my heart. I've just always loved that movie and i've owned it so many times from vhs to laser to dvd to blu-ray to 4k <laughs> i mean i've owned yeah and i watch it 
Oh, you know, every time it comes on, I'll watch it. I mean, I watch that film probably several times a year. I just think to me, that is a perfect film. So the sequel had a lot to live up to. And, and, you know, about a third of the way into it, I was, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. I was going, you know, I know we're only a third of the way into this. Damn, this is exciting. But I don't know. Did I get my hopes up too much? Did I get too excited? About why, it? why, why was that? Uh, you know, I, it, I, it's hard to say. I, I guess the scene that really didn't, didn't really register for me that well was when Maverick is at the beach bar and, uh, you know, the, the, the bar, everybody hangs out on the beach there and he's, and he sees, um, Penny and he's talking to her and then all the, all the guys come in and you're kind of introduced to the young pilots for whatever reason I was that scene just didn't register as well with me. And I was obviously comparing all these new guys, these actors, these pilots and you know, the female pilot um, to the pilots and the crew from the first film. And I was going, man, I, these guys are cool. And this, this is a cool crew, but you know, we're, I miss slider in Hollywood. And, you know, I just was <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was my vibe, you know? And then the scene when they threw Maverick out of the bar because he didn't have money to pay the tab. And then rooster was uh, playing great balls of fire and he was looking and then they started showing flashbacks. That was like the scene where they were showing flashbacks to the original top gun with yeah. goose. Yeah. I, I was going, I don't know for, for whatever reason that scene just, didn't land with me i don't know why so you know then it, it goes on from there and it just was progressively just getting better and i just falling in love with everything about this film and i'm telling you by the time they get on the aircraft carrier and you know and you have not not the old top gun theme but kind of like the new one which brings in you know lady gaga's you know yeah. contributing stuff to it you know where he's standing on the carrier and he's looking out, you know, and he says, talk to me, Goose. And Admiral Bates comes up to him and says, you're, where are you? Warlock, yeah. Warlock, yeah. Admiral Bates, Warlock. Yeah, when he comes up to him and says, you're where you belong. Like, I just, I could feel myself welling up. I could feel just between that shot and the music and that line, talk to me, Goose. And then it goes into, you know, him, Maverick kind of giving the overlay and going, okay, here's what I'm choosing. Rooster and, you know, choosing the other guys, you know, to be on this mission and, you know, telling, um, and telling, uh, not Bradley, what's his name? Uh, yeah, the other Glenn Powell hangman telling him that like, you know, you're, you're going to be on the side, whatever I'm going, golly, man, this is good. Um, and then, you know, they go out on the carrier. I know I'm just rehashing the sequence. I'm telling you how my emotions were. Then they go on the carrier and rooster goes up to hangman and hangman says, you know, give him hell. And, and Maverick is getting in the plane and the music is so good. And then when they take off, I'm like, literally, when they're, when they're taking off of that aircraft carrier, I sat up in my seat and I'm just going, holy shit, we're into <laughs> like it. Leaning forward. Yeah. Literally leaning forward and just going, man, we are into it. And it just, it was done in a fashion that was so, felt so authentic and realistic where the Ford jets are flying over the ocean and they're flying into the enemy territory and they fly over the AWACS plane. The AWACS says, you know, you're clear. Okay, we're dropping down under radar. And then all the planes line up. You know, it goes again to attack position. They all line up in in a straight line. And Maverick says, okay, I'm going in. Uh, you know, I, I'm just getting them on the edge of my seat. And then the shot the shot that they did is when they, when they kind of first come in to the enemy territory, 
was one of the shots from the teaser trailer where the four planes come around a corner. Yeah. And it's, yeah. you know, and then like you get kind of like that, that boom or whatever causes, you know, the, the air around it to like part around the jets. And that was a shot that was in the teaser trailer. I was like, freaking out how cool yeah, it was. Breaking the, the sound barrier. Yeah. And I'm just going, Oh my God. And it just, you know, it just kept going and it was so good. And then, you know, and, and goose falling behind And this bottle. We, we don't have to say this anymore on this show. I'm tired of saying it, but spoiler yeah. territory. If you listen to the show and you don't hear spoilers, don't listen. Okay. We spoil everything. So, you know, them, you know, going through there and roosters falling behind and he's like, talk to me, dad. And it, it was just thrilling. You know, it was absolutely thrilling. And then Maverick, you basically sacrifices his life or that's what he thought he was doing to save rooster when, you know, they're getting yeah. attacked and yeah. And all the Sams are firing at him. And I knew, you know, I knew there's, there's no way that that, that just happened. Like you, and we talked about the, the fact that it would have been completely plausible, completely plausible for Maverick to have died in this film. Absolutely. Because that's how his father died. You know, they, they, they almost set, set that up in the first film and, you know, they set up through this whole film. The Maverick, you know, doesn't that's, have a family. Yeah. I mean, that's what I thought that, you know, that line with Viper in the original was, is that why you fly the way you do, you know? Yeah. yeah. You know, and the, the idea that, uh, you know, Duke, uh, Duke Mitchell stayed in the fight, even though the ship was hit and, and uh, you know, his yeah. plane was hit. But he, what does he say? Like, he, he saved a few guys before he bought it. Um, yeah. So I thought, okay, younger crew passing the torch. You know, Paramount always has had this passing the torch thing with Cruz. That's why they brought right. Renner to Mission Impossible. So it was almost like right. maybe Cruz would have said, you know what, in this case, it's an appropriate thing. You know, I mean, I'm pushing- not only that, but when Hondo goes up to Maverick on the uh, on the uh, aircraft, it's been an honor. Yeah, he's been an honor. And he says, I don't, you know, Matt, he says, don't look at me that way. It's only look I got. Like, I, that was the moment where I went, holy crap, he's saying goodbye because they are killing Maverick. So when. When Maverick takes that missile and he goes down, it it was plausible. I thought maybe he just bought it, but golly, that would I didn't I, I wouldn't expect it to happen so quickly, you know. So then, very quickly, they they cut to the shot of him waking up in the snow and like, okay, good, all right, all right we got more here. We got you know. It's good. <laughs> well, the interesting thing is, like in a normal movie, right? In any other movie, like even a cop movie or something like that, you you would say well, he's probably not dead because you don't kill your hero off screen, right? But yeah. in a jet movie, when they're flying around the sky and somebody gets hit by a missile, I mean, yeah. you know, it is what it is. So <laughs> so it's entirely yeah. plausible that Maverick is gone. And it, totally it would have been weird to do it that way. It would have um, been unsatisfying. It would have been very unsatisfying. And, and yeah, and you wanted to see more of Maverick. But you then it really would have been like, okay, now it is Rooster and the other guys, you know, the other pilots who are taking on MiGs that are coming in. And, it, you know, Maverick really has handed this film off. But you didn't expect that. So then they cut to him waking up in the snow and, you know, the whole audience is like a sigh of relief. Okay, great. And that chopper comes in, the the military chopper, and is getting ready to yeah, fire at him. Russian helicopter. Well, did they say it was Russian? Yeah, it was I mean, a Russian. Never, I, I don't think they ever said anything, but I think some of the markings on the chopper are Russian okay. and, so and the Russian the chopper. Snow, so they're like in Siberia or whatever. I don't know. So you know as an audience member that there's no way Maverick's going to buy it by a chopper just firing at him. And you know that Rooster's coming back because you just know that that's okay. He's definitely coming back. 
So it was so predicted when what happened happened, where Rooster comes in and takes out the chopper. But when that happened, I never felt more of a level of satisfaction. I literally, the whole audience started clapping. I almost stood up and was like, yeah! Well, you know, you just, you knew it was coming. And when it happened, it's like, thank, you know, you have satisfied this audience right there. That's what we want to see. We want to see, you know, Rooster save Maverick and whatever. And then Maverick gets shot, or Rooster gets shot down. So then the scene that well, kind of the thing was like, how are they going to get, how do you get Maverick out of there? And then when right. Rooster gets shot down, I was like, okay. All right. right. So when they, when Maverick runs up to Rooster and they have it's a great scene where he's like you told me not to think up there you know and Maverick's like okay you know he's so like, what I are you save do? you you don't yeah. save me I save you that's the point what great are you scene. thinking <laughs> yeah you told me not to think up there yeah and the look great the scene. look that he gives him and like he holds his hands he up, shrugs like, his hands yeah he's like what do you want me to do what? yeah great <laughs> you know, like I'm doing so at that point. Bad. At that point, I didn't know where the story was, where where it was going, or how they were getting off. You know, and it, it's interesting because so many films now, and I'm talking to you, Fast and Furious movies, that the trailers show literally the entire film that you really just kind of know. You know, you, yeah, you know the beats about it before on the show. Yeah, you know where it's going. I didn't know. I didn't know what was going to happen next. Happen next, where they come up on the the enemy base. And I'm going, oh, that's cool. So they're kind of, what are they doing here? And when he looks down and sees that Tomcat, that was about the point. That was one of my first blackout, I think, where I just was like, as a fan, I'm going, oh my God, they're going to, they're, they're going to hijack the Tomcat. Like, and thinking about that, that is such like wish fulfillment for Top Gun fans because yes. the F-14 Tomcat is, to me, is like, the Millennium Falcon, right? I mean, yeah. it's like, and, and I don't is, know if it's for you, but even for me, like these new, the new F-18s and that whatever they were flying, for me, the F-14 is a beautiful plane. Yeah, it is. Like it's it, the, just, yeah, it's so it has wet. more somehow. It, that's right. I, I don't know. It's just so. Yeah, totally. For as soon as that, I mean, that was in the trailer, right? There was a shot of that plane. It was, but I'd forgotten about it till I saw the shot yeah. in the film, and I forgot that, yeah, because in the, in the trailer, I, you saw I it. I hadn't yeah. forgotten it, but I assumed that, you know, it's older tech, so maybe, yeah. you know, the enemy would be flying it. But, I, you know, as soon as it was like, they're going to steal it, it's, that's perfect. That's perfect. And not only that, but the other thing that was in true wish fulfillment for me is I wanted to see goose's son not only as a wingman to maverick i want to see them in the plane together like i want to see him in the back seat and when when maverick chooses rooster to be his wingman that was a moment where i went okay god that's awesome like because that's just anthony edwards he his his performance as as goose in the original top gun was so endearing and so iconic and so just capturing that it's amazing that, you know, 36 years later that that performance and the entire ghost of Goose is all over this film, right? So, like, th this film is almost like 100%. a father-son story, you know, like uncle and, and nephew, you know? Absolutely. So you wanted to see that. So when they did, I was like, okay, that's great. I'm glad. I, I want to see Goose's son up there with him. Yeah, it's to the point was, where if I was Tom Cruise, I, I would just mail Anthony Edwards a check from Maverick just to be like, hey, man, yeah, you're only in these flashbacks, obviously, but your shadow looms large over this movie. So here's all the, over the, the movie. All over the movie. I mean, literally, like the ghost of Goose is like a lead in the film. It's amazing, 
And had that performance not been so good, had Anthony Edwards not been so good, it would you wouldn't have been able to do it 36 years later. So then they put Rooster in the back seat with Maverick, and I loved it because at that point, the character of Rooster was he was all in with Maverick. You know, the whole film he'd been very, you know, standoffish with him and didn't like him. So he blamed him for his father's death. But at this point, he's like, Yep, I'm in, Maverick, let's go. I'm, you know, and he's he's Goose Jr. to where he's you know, using dialogue, you know, like uh, do some of that pilot shit, you know, and the stuff that he's saying, I'm going, oh, my God, it just it doesn't get any better than this. And then when the MIGs came in and they, you know, because that was one thing, too, is that we hadn't seen like a real dogfight. And, and what they'd done prior with them, you know, in the canyon, the Sam's firing at them and then the, the, the helicopter coming in and then taking out. That was so exciting. That you kind of forget, like you're, as an audience member, I wasn't going. All right, I want to see him. I want to see him in a in a you know a fight with Mix. I want to see that. You know, I wasn't even thinking about that because what I'd seen so far was so exciting. And then when they do that, the two Migs come in, and and you know, and they get in this awesome dogfight with him. You know that the the movie literally left Earth at that point for me, <laughs> including the one the one f bomb in the movie. Yeah, and I love that. I love so it, they did some stuff that was really exciting with those MIGs where they did these like boomerang maneuvers where they and, and I don't know how much that's real and how much it's not. It was awesome. And Maverick, you know, he goes, "Holy it's, shit." It's like a riff on, you know, and he does it what you know, just as an aside. Maverick does the pull hit the brakes and they'll fly right by thing in this. He just right. doesn't say it when he does it. He kind of says, hang on, you know, I'm going to do right. something or whatever. And he right. does it, and we know it as the audience and fans. It wasn't you know, too on the nose. They did yeah. it just in the right you know, way. There, yeah. there he does it. But then those MIGs or those F-20s, those guys, I mean, they're as good, if not better pilots than Maverick, which is wild. Right. And they, they say early that, in the film that those whatever. jets they had were next level tech. And yeah. it was something and that, 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 yeah. that thing that that pilot does that causes the F-bomb, uh, a rooster to say the F-bomb, is basically like he stalls his plane so yeah. that it just like drops in midair and flies backwards. <laughs> yeah. And it goes straight over the canopy and Maverick goes, what the? And Goose goes, holy shit, what the fuck was that? Yeah. That it's was great. I mean, I was laughing out loud. I was going, oh, my God, this is, like, so exciting. And that whole, you know, the whole sequence, like, the whole sequence is so pitch perfect in what they did. And then, you know, it, well, at the end. Even once that once they make it through that, the flyby on the carrier. Well, I'm getting to that. I haven't even gotten to that yet. So, Hangman coming in and saving the day, another great scene and. You know, I really like Glenn Powell in the film and, you know, what a moment that he had, which apparently I'm sure you've heard this story that Glenn Powell was he was the guy and it was Miles Teller who were like the last two who were up yes. for the character of Roots yeah. and Miles Teller got it. And by the way, I heard from an inside source that one of the reasons that happened is that during the audition, one of the scenes they had him do was play um, was play Great Balls of Fire on the piano. Well, Myers, Miles Teller plays piano. So he he did it for real. And Glenn Powell does not play me. See, he, they kind of had to fake it. So it was just another little moment. But Glenn Powell was literally right there and thought he had it. And he didn't. And went to Miles Teller. So they came back to him and they said, we have an idea. We want you to play the character of Hangman. Passed, but it's that, right? Well, he passed initially because it, 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 he said at the end of the film, like, not only was he not in the battle at all, but he just kind of disappeared. Like, you, like he, 
he didn't have that moment that that he had in this film where he literally saved Maverick and Rooster's ass. Like he came in and saved the day, and it was such such a great moment for him, you know. And and at that point, when he takes him out and they're heading back to the carrier, that's when. Yeah, that's when the the music, which is one of my favorite tracks on the, the Top Gun soundtrack, it's called "The Man, the Myth, the Legend," and that score starts to come up. And then, yeah, Maverick comes in and buzzes the tower. And in the Top Gun theme, it was a different kind of way that I'd never heard a Top Gun theme where it comes in, where it's so powerful and exciting as he buzzes the tower. Like at that moment, I'm watching and I'm going, I I've never been more satisfied as an audience in my life. Like, Jesus Christ, this is the most satisfying thing. It's the best thing I've ever seen in my life. I cannot believe they were able to pull this off. And then when they're on the carrier and, you know, and they're saying, you know, congratulations, this and that. And Rooster comes up to him and, and Maverick says, thank you for saving my life. And then Rooster says, that's what my dad would have done. I did. I full blown lost at that point, like total tears. I'm just going it it was it, and it wasn't it was just so powerful and it is as a as a diehard fan of top gun like as someone who says it's my favorite film of all time you don't expect a sequel 2 years later 5 years later 30 years later anything to be better than the first yeah. and be in a way that's so satisfying and the film even if maverick had died it would have been it, you know you still would have gone god it's the greatest thing ever oh my god but you know you 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 didn't want Maverick to die you don't want to see your heroes die in a film like this and i'm telling you that film i don't i think it would have still done the 1.3 billion dollars in counting it's doing but i think that by keeping maverick alive and having the you know the last scene of the film is maverick and rooster together and working on his plane and what you know it's so satisfying that it's part of the reason that the film has made as much money as it has. It's part of the reason, you know, there's people I've talked to that haven't been to a movie in years and they've seen this movie twice or three times in a theater. That, that doesn't happen anymore, you know? And even you and I, like, who grew up as diehard movie fans, like, I used to, hell, I saw Terminator 2 five times in a theater. I saw Jurassic Park four times. I saw Cliffhanger three times, whatever. You know, the last time I saw a movie more than once in theater was probably uh, Force Awakens, you know? And, and... Yeah. But that's me. I'm a big movie fan. I'm a Star Wars fan, too. So the fact that people are seeing this film continually like they are, and it's been universal. Like, I saw on the opening weekend on Facebook and Instagram social media, so many people that I'm there in my group, and I'm, you know, my friends, whatever, and just network, social network, were, like, checking in and posting pictures and saying I'm at Top Gun. It literally was like the thing that you had to do. So if you didn't see Top Gun opening weekend, you're basically a loser. I mean, that's like, that's almost kind of what it felt like. And I was going, that's, I I haven't seen that. Like, I think the last time I saw that, I I know what it was. It was Independence Day. It was 26 years ago. It was the last time that Independence Day felt like an event that people absolutely had to see. And it didn't matter if you were like a science fiction fan, an action fan, whatever, just a movie fan generally, you had to see that. It's taken them 25 years for them to have a film that felt like that. And, you know, and as much as the Star Wars films did the last couple of years, you know, the, the sequel trilogy, whatever, it still never had that level of energy that Top Gun, in my opinion, has had, where it is universally beloved by the critics, universally beloved by fans. And that is just such a rare thing. To the tune of uh, sinking the Titanic. It's the biggest film in Paramount's history. And that's another thing, too, is that 
you know, in the day of like just the franchise fatigue, whatever. I'm not going to start beating up on Marvel because it's too easy, but like all that sort of stuff and whatever. Like Top Gun is a movie that literally hit all four quadrants that, you know, it didn't matter if you were a romance fan, an action comedy, whatever. Like, I don't know anybody that hasn't seen this film and absolutely loves this movie. And it's to be, you know, Paramount has been around a hundred years. I mean, it's one of the, you know, most storied studios in Hollywood. And granted, Paramount has not really had as much luck with franchises, say, as Disney or, you know, some of the, whatever, some of the studios that have better better luck with franchises. For Top Gun 2 to become the biggest film in their, you know, 100 and something year history is amazing. And it's deserved. I mean, it's, and the other thing, too, that's funny is that I was tracking, you know, Deadline.com tends to have a lot of industry people that, track it and there's a lot of cynicism on there i find like i read the comments either on the post or on facebook whatever and it's funny reading all of the you know the senate the cynical comments that people make on that site because they're all just too cool for school movie people is what i find right but top gun every single comment from people that were commenting on deadline that would usually be so cynical about everything else we're just going, yep, it's the best thing I've ever seen. It's the most deserved, you know, it's the blah, blah, blah. I mean, so it literally has, I, I don't know of anybody in that, that, that can say a bad thing about the film. And that, that is so, just so rare. It just is such a rare thing for that to happen, you know? Um, and now they're talking about Top Gun 3, not surprisingly, which of course, you know, Paramount's, of course, Paramount's banging out doors. Yeah. Everybody's like, okay, we just, we did not expect this film to make $1.3 billion and counting. I mean, the movie like did $20 million last week and it's been out for two months now. It's amazing. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Like, and the thing that's interesting is that Miles Teller did an interview last week where he said, yep, I've had conversations with Tom. He's reached out to me and it's all up to him. And we've talked about it and we're talking about ideas, whatever, you know, that, to me has to be Cruz reaching out to to Miles Teller, not the other way around. Because if it is up to Cruz, and Cruz is the producer, Cruz is going to make $100 million on back in on this film. Like, I'm sure, <laughs> you know, obviously Cruz doesn't have a problem with sequels because he's doing Mission Impossible 7 and 8 now. You know, if it's good, it's good. He wants to do it. So, man, I, I, that's got to be something. But I, but I will say this, too. You know, the last couple of Mission Impossible films have just gotten better as each one's gone on. Like, Mission Impossible Fallout, to me, was the best Mission Impossible in the entire series. And it was the best film that Tom Cruise had ever done in his, in his career, in my opinion, up until Top Gun Maverick. And then you look at the trailer for the next Mission Impossible, and it looks as good, maybe better. I mean, it just looks incredible. So, I really do wonder if Cruise and McQuarrie and Kaczynski and those guys get together and they go, okay, we, we can do this. Like we, you know, this is a, this is a hard formula to crack in Top Gun 2. Top Gun, we really was lightning in a bottle, but <laughs> how do we put this together? Because not the Cruise cares because he'll get back into anyway, but like everybody else, like the payday for what Miles tell, I mean, I, I seriously doubt that, they had sequel clauses in their contract for this. It probably, they probably thought oh, it was just a one-off, you know, it's a Top Gun sequel in 35 years, maybe we'll do another one. But I guarantee you that the payday for anybody involved in a sequel will be massive and as well it should be. So I wonder if there's going to, if they'll be able to pull together a third film. 
it wouldn't surprise me at all if after he's done with Mission Possible 8, if literally they announce it and they go, Kaczynski is writing it, and or not Kaczynski, but McQuarrie maybe is writing it with Kaczynski, and we have an idea, and we're going full steam into it. You know, because when Mission Possible Fallout ended, I remember thinking, like, how do you top that? It's the best thing they ever did, whatever. And literally within six months, McCor- you know, they announced the sequels, and they said McQuarrie's back at it. And there's going to be a five-year gap between Mission 8 or Mission uh, 6 and Mission 7. But the only reason for that is, is because of COVID and pandemic delays. You know, otherwise it would have been a three-year stretch because Mission Possible um, Dead Reckoning was supposed to come out last summer and now it's not coming out till next summer. So it's been delayed two years. So there would have just been a three-year stretch. So I feel like if they can pull that together for that, and I and I know I'm I'm just totally conjecturing that Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning is going to be amazing, but I have a feeling based on that trailer, it's going to just blow people. Yeah, away. that trailer is damn impressive, and McQuarrie's track record lately is is uh, it's unbelievable. Awesome. I mean, you could see, you know, I saw a picture of Cruz and McQuarrie at uh, Wimbledon last week because they're filming in London. Um, man, I mean, that really seems like a dynamic duo right there. I mean, Cruz, it really seems like between Cruz and McQuarrie, they've kind of found their their niche and for whatever how whatever reason those guys have connected and said okay, I mean, we, they can, they, they're they go back to what valkyrie yeah valkyrie so, yeah i mean that's a long time they, they've been working together a long time yeah um he's he's cruises good good luck charm at this point he is yeah but um you know, Kaczynski too, you know, I wonder, you know, you, you, you forever had, had concerns. I don't know. Top Gun 2 might not be good because Kaczynski and I don't know how much. Yeah, I, just, I mean, let me clarify that, right? Like his movies, even the, was it 12 strong? Was that the one he did with, uh, with Brolin? I mean, he yeah, he's never made a film that I've loved. I agree with that. Actors, um, yeah. including Jennifer Connelly in that movie. Um, no, 12 strong was the Hemsworth one. So his is the other one. I can't remember the title. It's the firefighter one. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're smoke. Yeah. Yeah. Smoke. Yeah. The movies, all of his movies, including Tron legacy, they're, they're visually impressive. Right. Um, and and, uh, up until Maverick visually impressive and at the same time, just kind of flat. Just, just, I agree with that. And the reason I bring that up is it makes me, it really does make me wonder how much, and we'll, nobody will probably never know unless you're a crew member on the film. How much of it is, is it all McQuarrie or is, is it all Kaczynski or did McQuarrie really kind of ghost direct a little bit? And you know, you, well, you I, mean, gotta, you and I know I've been on cruise sets. I've been on, um, well, I don't know if he was a producer on the second one I did. He was a producer on one of them that I was on. And I would just say that he was actively involved in every Decision. Absolutely. He's a producer on these films. And not only that, he has more experience on these kind of films and 40 years of, you know, of, of filmmaking than everybody else in the crew put together, except maybe Jerry Bruckheimer, you know, so absolutely. Yeah, Jerry, even said, Jerry even said in an interview, Jerry said uh, he's a better producer than I am. Yeah. And I was like, wow, Bruckheimer yeah. saying Cruz is better at the job. <clears throat> Um, but Kaczynski is now signed on to do this Formula One movie with Brad Pitt, which actually sounds. Yes. And they're really exciting. The they're going to take the tech that they used on top. Yeah. Putting cameras in the cockpit. And they're going to put them in these formula one cars, like on the driver's shoulder, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited about that one. Um, you know, what else can I say about Top Gun Maverick? I just, 
you know, I love the whole, I love the the beginning sequence, obviously, where it was so homage to the first Top Gun was on the aircraft carrier and the music was the same in Danger Zone. That was such a smart move on their part. And Kaczynski said the reason they did it that way is they wanted you to immediately know you were in Top Gun. They wanted you to immediately know, well, you know it's you're a, in it's, good hands. It's the same thing of like, uh, and and I asked him that b- b- a couple weeks before I asked him that a couple of weeks before the movie came out, mm-hmm. I had an opportunity to talk to him and I, and I said, look, um, if you, if you start the movie with Faltermeyer's Anthem and that's the first thing, like the, the Paramount logo comes up, you're going to pad it a little for the Skydance logo now, but if those logos come up and that music starts the movie, I'm already kind of in your pocket. Right. Mm-hmm. And he said to me at the time, you're going to be very happy. And well, you know why he did that, right? He said in an interview, he wanted immediately the audience to go, you know what? It's okay. Like well, you that's, were, that's the thing I was just going to say, cause you kind of yeah. alluded to that. It's similar to like, you know, when you do a star Wars movie, if it's in the Skywalker timeline, yeah, you have to start it with the crawl, right? That's just yeah. kind of what that is if you're not within that timeline, then you can kind of go off and do whatever you want. So what yeah. he was essentially doing was saying like, this is a direct sequel. This is, you know, we're, we're following Maverick's story that Tony Scott left us and you should feel comfortable because we're fans too. Right. Um, right. And, and even to the point of putting up the, you know, the, the, the information about the Top Gun Academy and mm-hmm. uh, you know, changing one word in there only, they added men and women. Um, but you know that immediately and, and they had me from that. I mean, I was like, okay, they're going to get this right. Yeah. And I thought the, uh, the entire, the dark, what was it? What was it called? The dark wind, the sequence, dark Dark star, that whole sequence was phenomenal too. And what a great way, what a great way to beautifully. Yeah. Like in the upper atmosphere of the, of the plane sort of banking to the left and going around. And when he said, when he first says, talk to me, goose, when he's like looking out the heavens and says that, yeah, that is, you know, that, that is a beautiful sequence. And also Hondo in the control room, you know, going, all right, you know, 10, you hit Mach 10, that's enough. You did. That's right. Like, and then just yeah. seeing, you know, radio silence and waiting and then going, oh, shit. You know, like yeah. he's going to do it. He's, he can't help himself. He's going to do it. Yeah. Amazing. Had a smile okay. plastered on my face through that whole sequence. So, yeah, it it hit all the notes. It's a fantastic, fantastic film. It is. It is my favorite film of all time, and I really do. I, I don't say that you know lightly because you know what a diehard fan I am in some of these films, but it is for me the best film I've ever seen. And it it just there's an audience satisfaction that you don't get in a lot of movies where it just hits all the notes. It doesn't do it in a you know in a on on the nose kind of way. Like because I, I love nostalgia. It does just the right amount. It's not cheesy. It's not corny. And it's just satisfying. And, you know, in, in, in an age where so many movies are either bad or just okay, like the best case scenario that we talk about with a film, we go, it was okay. Like, and that's why, you know, frankly, I, don't, I hardly go to the movies anymore because I'm like, it's just not worth it. You know, you walk out of a movie like Top Gun Maverick and you go, 
that was the best money I could have ever spent on a, on, on a two hours of entertainment. It was so, you know, so satisfying. The audience was into yeah. it. It just, they just don't, movies are not made that way anymore. And, and it, it just is, you know, and, and it, uh, it's that satisfying and, and I'm, you know, kudos to everybody involved with it. Because I want to talk about a couple other things. Um, okay. Let's talk about, first of all, uh, in the end, um, the moment between Hangman and Rooster, which mm-hmm. in a way calls back to you can be my wingman anytime. For sure. I thought did it in a really impressive way. Their interaction there. Um and and sort of mm-hmm. you know, shaking each other's hands and the acknowledgement, and actually yeah. they set it up before, which was surprising by having Hangman come up and say to him, "Give him hell," you know, yeah, go out yeah. and give him hell, which was really cool because he's just kind of he's the Iceman douchebag through the whole movie, and then yeah. you're like, oh, okay, he's actually yeah, he just sort of plays that role, but he's a decent guy, and I think that also goes to what you had said because I had heard in some interviews that part of what made Glenn Powell take the role was Cruz said to him, look, we're going to, we're going to add some more stuff. It's, you're not going to be just the stereotypical Um, a-hole. And I thought that really worked. And then additionally, the, um, the bit at the end when Rooster says, you know, Captain Mitchell, sir, and Maverick turns around to him and says, thank you for saving my life. And Rooster mm-hmm. says it's what my dad would have done. Mm-hmm. That's when I sort of started tearing up. I was like, "Wow!" Well, that was for sure. I mean, that that I, the exact same moment for me is where I lost it because I just thought it just it hit me in an emotional way where I was going, "That's such a great line." Maverick, del- Tom Cruise delivers it so well. The way he says, "Thank you for saving my life," like you just want to hug him. It's just such a good delivery. And then that to me was like the culmination of just this film. I just went, it was, you know, so that's when I lost it. And, and I, and, I've, and now I've seen the movie twice and I'll say that I cried both times at that, like literally tears come down my face because it is just so powerful and it just, it's powerful and, 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 and you know, in a, in a satisfying way, not in a way of like, oh, now we're at Maverick's funeral and, you know, and like it's satisfying, you know, I, I, I don't like that, you know, yeah. in, a, in a way where you're so pleased. And then they, to me, they went one step beyond that because you wanted, you wanted Rooster and Maverick to be together, like, because you, that's just what you want. And they went, you could have ended the film right there, but to go one step further and to show Rooster and Maverick together working on the plane. Like then I kind of like the emotion kept going. Cause I was like, Oh my God, that's what I want to see. Like, yeah, this is like Maverick's boy now, you know? And then, you know, they go up and Rooster is looking at, at his pictures and seeing his dad. And then there's him and, you know, on the aircraft carrier with Maverick. It, it it's just perfect. Well, it's they also did something perfect. cool in, in terms of the relationship, right? When, when Penny, asks you know what the deal is with rooster and cruz says i basically you know delayed his start by like four mm-hmm. years i cost him mm-hmm. four years yeah and she says why and then he has the, there's that revelation that he did it at the request of carol uh, of, mm-hmm. of goose's wife rooster's dad, right. uh, mom yeah. mm-hmm. and so she's not really a presence in the movie side from the flashback but it's really cool when Maverick's response, you know, she, Penny goes, why don't you just tell him? 
And he says, yeah. well, he already resents me. Why make him resent her? Yeah. And it makes you really love him that much more because he's willing to just take the hit. Mm -hmm. He tried to keep him grounded at her request. You know, she lost her husband. She didn't want to lose her son. And he's willing to take the hit for that to protect her, even though she's passed away, I guess, you know, the, her memory. So yeah, even that endears you more to Maverick and gets yeah. you to understand what that dynamic was that was created for, for Bradley, for Rooster. Um, so, I mean, yeah, there are so many little sort of grace note moments throughout that pay homage to Tony Scott's film and, and then, but carry them forward in a way that makes sense and is respectful of the original. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it just really, that was the thing. It was, it, it's like you said, it, it has no business being as good as it is 37 years later. <laughs> like it's yeah. just, it's just kind of astonishing what they were able to do. And there's a lot of humor in it, which I appreciated, you know, the, the, when, when he and um, Rooster in the, in the third actor up in the plane and he goes, tell me that, tell me we don't have an engine out or tell me we lose an engine. And Maverick's like, okay, I won't tell you. Yeah. <laughs> You know, yeah like, <laughs> yeah it was stuff like that is just great yeah um, it was great yeah. i was i was a little like you in, in the beginning in the hard deck bar when we're first meeting them i i was kind of like yeah i don't know if i love this crew as much as as i loved all the guys in the original well, you're, of course in that whole sequence you're immediately comparing them and you're yeah. just going yeah you know that's what you're gonna do as an audience that was the scene where they introduced everybody and i just was going i don't know if i buy this this group here just yet you know yeah. they had to endear themselves to him by the end of the film they didn't and you then know, speaking they, of the original crew we haven't talked about you know the big moment between ice and maverick yeah that was uh another powerful scene um you know and even obviously more so you know with with Iceman having uh or Val having cancer. So they basically did that with his character too. That was one thing I have to say that I wish they didn't do is I didn't think they needed to kill off Iceman, which they did. And, you know, and it just didn't ring right to me. And I know why they did it story wise, because that was the catalyst to basically have Maverick no longer have this protection in the Navy. Like at this point, like your, your protector was, was Admiral Kaczynski and now he's gone. So now, you know, you don't have anybody looking out for you, but I, I, that was the one thing I didn't like. Um, but I did. Yeah, that was a great. Well, that's I, I could appreciate what this how the stakes were raised because of it. It was a little convenient that like he just went to see him. They acknowledge days that, later. They, they acknowledge yeah. that it came back and then he's like, you know, gone. Um, Literally, I mean, in the story, it was two days later. I mean, this, the whole movie takes place over like two weeks. You know that. Yeah, you know, they've so, also been, you know, texting back and forth. You know, the idea is that yeah, he's been in touch for years and he'd been talking. And obviously, when he shows up to the house, he he literally says like it's come back. So yeah. he knew he'd had cancer before and probably gone into remission or whatever. And then you know, they haven't talked in a little bit and, and ice sends in that text is like, I need to see you. So the implication is that ice knows that he's kind of going. Yeah. Um, yeah. And needs to have this face to face conversation. Cause you know, Maverick's response is kind of like, I'm busy now or, now or whatever. Um, you know, and, and I, like, yeah, yeah, not a request. Yeah. Um, you know, it's an order. So, mm -hmm. 
they did set it up so even though it's only a couple days later, it's like Iceman knows that he's on his way out the door. He just doesn't know mm-hmm. when. Um, mm-hmm. which I thought was was sharp. And the moment, you know, giving giving the the moment at the end when I says, you know, who's the best pilot, which is a callback to the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I just I thought it was really beautifully handled uh, sure. as much yeah. as I didn't enjoy the experience of working for Val Kilmer back in the day. Um, I think, uh, you know, it was nice to see him back on screen. It was nice to see the two of them back on screen. Mm-hmm. You and I have talked, I think, on an episode where we're just leading up to the release about how they were going to use some sort of AI to give Val his voice back because he doesn't yeah. have his voice at all. Yeah. yeah. And I guess one of my quibbles is I heard a an audio clip of AI-generated Val Kilmer dialogue that was really good. That mm-hmm. I mean, I if they, if I didn't know it was that I would have thought it was, you know, outtakes from an old movie or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess, you know, one of my minor, I have two minor quibbles really with the movie, uh, or three, but that's it. Um, and one of them is that, you know, he does talk at the end of that scene that that question, who's the best pilot or whatever um, yeah. is done in kind of a whispered, you know, <clears throat> tone, which is yeah. fine. But it was so whispered, so kind of low that to me it sounded like it could have been anybody. I assume it, you know, it was Kelly. Could have been his. It could have been his son, even. I mean, the, yeah, in the documentary, been, been his Jack. son. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I wasn't even. It's like if you're gonna do it, then at least give us a hint of the actual vowel. Because like it was literally like, oh, it's the best pilot. You know, it was mm-hmm. like. I can't tell that's him. That could be him. That could not be him. You're quibbling. Um, you're quibbling, sir. Yeah. Come but then, now. and then, and then the other one, which you and I have talked about is, you know, I like you, I have the score. I think it's the weirdest score credit ever produced by Lauren Balfe and then score by Faltermeyer <laughs> Zimmer and Lady Gaga. And it's like, okay, so that's Lady Gaga's song reorchestrated by Zimmer. They used the, the anthem but that mm-hmm. the anthem that opens the movie is pretty much the only Faltermeyer in that. So I, f- I thought that was pretty wild that he got first credit. Maybe that was just kind of a, like a generous deferential thing. Um, but you and I have talked about I could have used more uh, Faltermeyer. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think agree. particularly in the training sequences. And I know that uh, Kaczynski likes to, you know, use some of the the class. You know, he put what is it, the who in there or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um I, I really would have, you know, a lot of the first Top Gun, a lot of that score, including the anthem or the mm-hmm. longer version of the anthem is electric guitar. Mm-hmm. There's really yeah. no electric guitar in the movie in the way that Faltermeyer used it back in the day. And I yeah. don't feel like it would have been out of place now, at, at least. In I don't either. Time. Yeah. I guess that was just a creative decision they, they made where they said, well, we don't want to make it. We don't, you know, we want the anthem in there, but we don't want to make it sound overly nostalgic 80s synthesized whatever yeah, which but i think zimmer's score would, is like very it's very orchestral and sort of ha- almost has the romantic tint to it which is fine yeah. and the penny benjamin stuff it is it there is romance in the movie that he's he does fall for penny and benjamin. i love that by the way the, the 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 kind of penny benjamin music that's that's kind of lady gaga's contribution to that like i love that like and where that really came in is when they were on the sailboat and they raised 
yeah. the sail. And I, I think that's a beautiful piece of music. It is a, it, it is a really lovely piece of music. Um, I just, yeah, I just, and I don't, I love the score. I've listened to it for weeks and weeks now. It's really good. I actually wish it wasn't so damn short. And I heard they're going to release a special edition of it. Yeah, um, I, every, so. I keep tweeting Lauren Balf about it. Like, hey, man, is this true? What's happening? Nobody answers. So maybe they're just not allowed to say. But yeah. they released one bonus track in Japan, oddly enough, uh, which I sent you the link to. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. but yeah, I could have I could have used more Valtimore. And then and then the last thing, which uh, is related to uh, Tom Kazansky again to Iceman. I felt like I know that I know that Rick Rosovich has been retired uh, for years. He he married some, you know, I don't know, genius woman or supermodel or something and moved to like Norway or Sweden or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, a part of me just like even if it had been a one second cameo where he hugs him, I would have liked to see Rick Rosovich at Iceman's funeral. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. I, 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 you know, and maybe they asked, maybe they were like, Hey, Rick Rosovich, will you get on an international, you know, flight and come over? There's no way they asked. And cause Rick Rosovich um, would have been on, a, would have been on a plane in two seconds. I mean, why would you not? So yeah. I, I but think even, for whatever reason, even, they didn't do it. even without him, I mean, how cool would it have been to see like Penny Benjamin and then see like, Hollywood and Wolfman and Slider and even yeah. like Sundown, get, get Clarence Gilly Jr. and have them all standing in the front row like they'd all kept in touch. But even if you weren't going to get all of them, Slider was Ice's Rio. I can't mm-hmm. imagine, you know, it's like Carol died. Okay, fine. You know, uh, I, I just felt like it was weird not to see him. I wanted to see him. So yeah. it was the only thing that the movie didn't do to you know, fulfill my love and in the connection to the original. If Slider had been at that funeral, even without dialogue, I would have been like, that is fucking awesome. Yeah, I agree. Should have been there. Maybe in Top Gun 3. <laughs> yeah, he comes back to teach. That'd um, be awesome. Yeah, so, I mean... Well, here's what I want to know now, and I'm sure everybody's probably wondering this: is when will it? When will the film uh, become available to watch at Paramount Plus? To watch on 4K Blu-ray? Um, I think Paramount probably didn't even know the answer to that. I think they are they're still gas in the tank as far as the box office goes, and especially you know, there's not anything really coming out the rest of the summer, you know, and people want to see it again. So I think that it's at least another 30 days, and I think that Paramount will not won't announce it until it just happens. Cause I don't think they're going to want people to know like, Oh, it's coming to Paramount plus in a week. We'll just wait. I think that it's going to go back into some premium theaters in late July and it will have, you know, and, and they'll literally just squeeze every single dollar out of it until they realize, okay, it's now been, you know, four, two and a half. Cause we passed that 45 day mark. So, okay. It's, we're now looking at, you know, 75, 90 days into it, which has been more traditional. We've literally squeezed every bit of blood out of this turn if we can. Let's uh, let's uh, go ahead and put it on Paramount Plus and then let's market the hell out of that. And say it's the only way to see it right now is Paramount Plus because when that happens, it goes on to Paramount Plus before it actually becomes available on 4K and Blu-ray, on Blu-ray disc. So the hardcore fans like you and I will purchase the film on 4k blu-ray to have the best highest quality of that film ever in hand but until then it will be exclusively you know available to probably rent on itunes or rent on whatever or to watch on paramount plus i'm gonna say i think 
I'm, I think three to four weeks. I think they'll give another three to four weeks. They may have a date in mind already, but they're just not announcing it. And then I think literally we'll wake up one day and, and it'll be all over. It's like it is on Paramount Plus right now. Go watch it. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, I really do want to see the film again. And well, like now, I said, it, you said they're going to put it back in IMAX. So how many days has it been out now? Do you know? Well, it came out May 27th. It's been out. How long has the movie been released? How long has it been yeah. in theaters now? Yeah. It's been about 55 days. Okay. So, yeah. so they've already broken their 45 day thing. Which- oh yeah. The, the 45 day thing came about a week ago, actually. So yeah. they, and, so- and Paramount had said that, yeah, the 45 day thing, we're kind of backing off of that and absolutely does not relate to Top Gun Maverick. We don't know when it's going to come out. And the thing is, is that right now, I'm speaking domestically. Thor is in IMAX and Dolby Cinema, whatever the premium theaters through this week only. And that film collapsed in the second weekend anyway. So, you know, that they're probably ready to move that out of those theaters anyway. Um, the Jordan Peele movie, Nope, goes into IMAX and mostly Dolby Cinema to this Friday. I think after that, like maybe one week of that, I think that there there's like a stretch there between that and Bullet Train, which comes out either the 5th or the 12th. And I absolutely think Paramount's going to do a big push and say it's back in IMAX for one week only. It's like your last opportunity to see it in premium theater experience. And then I think that after that, it will they'll go, okay, we have literally gotten every every dollar out of it. Let's go. Let's put it on streaming and let's now <laughs> squeeze dollars out of you Paramount that's Plus. Mid, mid-end August? Something like I that. think no, I think mid mid to earlier August actually. I don't even think the end. I think I worst case scenario, worst case scenario, I think the end of August. I think it's actually more likely. Today's July eighteenth that we're recording this. I think no later than August fifteenth it comes on streaming, in my opinion. I'm gonna make that call right now that August fifteenth or sooner, if I were a betting man, I'd put money on that. <laughs> okay. Yep. All right. Well, cool. Hey, well, so that's, so we've talked Top Gun for the last, uh, what is it, four, 54 minutes. That's the whole minutes. show, which is awesome because the show, it's the only movie that really ranks, you know, is worth that an hour-long conversation. But I do want to talk about one other thing real quick. Um, I am watching Blackbird, which is the Apple TV uh, streaming show with Taron Edgerton and Ray Liotta. And it's really well done. We're three episodes in. The, only three episodes have aired. It's really good. Really well done. Is it Taron Egerton or Edgerton? Do you know how to say his name? I do not. I always just say Edgerton because I think. Okay. Uh, so know. I have never mm-hmm. really paid much attention to this guy. I, I know who he is, but I didn't see the Kingsman films. I didn't see Rocketman, but I know who he is. And I read a couple weeks ago where he is basically lobbying Disney and Marvel to play Wolverine. And he said that he has had meetings with disney and marvel about it and he has put himself forward and said i would love to play the next iteration of wolverine have you heard this yeah i think he would be brilliant I mean, that? Look, i'm seen gonna tell the, you the, or the video of him in the kitchen getting attacked by the cop. he is jacked yeah he is a good actor he he does have that that edge that dark edge that you know wolverine and that he needs and hugh jackman had and i've you know, I've often thought that that's a hard thing to recast because Hugh Jackman, you know, he did it for 17 years. He's so, you know, that is obviously his, you know, his signature role as Wolverine. I think that's a hard thing to recast, but obviously Disney wants to do it now that they own, you know, own the X-Men rights and that that's a big character and they want to work it in somewhere. 
hundred percent. I would be on board with this guy. Well, the only thing him. is, and I don't know if this is true. So this is, you know, hearsay, but I have heard from people that he's kind of a pain in the ass. And if, well, if, the, if that's true, uh, you know, hit us up on, on Twitter or whatever stage 16 podcast. If, if you've heard the same, but I've heard that he's very difficult to deal with. And, and after having Hugh Jackman be the steward of that role for all those years and being just an awesome person, that uh, the awesome person that Hugh is, you know, maybe there's a little hesitation on like, do we want to have to deal with this guy? <laughs> because look, the reality is, what was it? It was originally do gray Scott and he couldn't get out of mm -hmm. it because of mission impossible too. Mm -hmm. uh, Everything comes back Tom Cruise. Yeah. And so they were like, well, who do we get? And it was like, get this obscure Australian actor that nobody's ever heard of. Honestly, like my instinct, if, if I was starting to do that, it's like, Let's do what we did with Hugh. Let's create a star. The role is the star, right? So we can put anybody in the role. And if they're good, then yeah. it works. So why do you need to pay uh, Taron Egerton, Edgerton? I think he's awesome. There's lots of actors that you know have reputations for being difficult. That doesn't make me less of a fan of their work. In most cases, that's, no, in some, case, in some cases, it, it crosses over and you go, yeah, I don't ever want to see a thing he does again. But I'm telling you, if you watch Blackbird, he, I just think he's great, and I looking at him and looking at how he's built and how his, you know, his his mannerisms. I'm going. This guy would be an awesome Wolverine. Like, I, if I were Disney, I would offer it to him tomorrow because I think he'd be great in it. Well, there you go. And also, we may we may be getting a new Fantastic Four directed by Steven Spielberg, apparently. So we'll I haven't heard that. Yeah. So we'll see what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't buy that. Um, hopefully, we will get back in a groove here and uh, bring you. We still owe you our our sort of best of uh, Bruce Willis. Um, and, yeah, and Robert, I still want to do one of those for Stallone as well. Right, Roberts wants to do our best of Stallone. Plenty of movie <laughs> news constantly coming out. Um, so we will uh, try and hit you back more regularly. But uh, we thank you if you're listening. Thank you for bearing with us, and we hope yeah. you enjoyed this episode. Yeah, thanks so much. We'll see you next time. All right, everybody. See ya.